Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to Beyond Baseball, powered by Prospects Live. I'm Jared Perkins. And as always, I'm here with Dr. Caleb Mazzi. Caleb, how are you doing today? I am great. I'm getting ready for, you know, today when... You know, we're filming this, recording this. The Phillies are in the World Series, so I'm a happy fan today. Usually I don't say those very terms. excited. As Man. a Royals fan, I've been watching uh, the playoffs from the couch, just like they have uh, since <laughs> <laughs> since the beginning. Uh, what, what's been your favorite human side highlight from the, the playoffs so far? Well, I know that, um, you know, there's a few things that I, I could say, you know, seeing, you know, the Phillies fans go nuts, but then also seeing some moments for some of my favorite players just kind of come out of their element to show who they really are. You know, you could go from Reese spiking the bat to, you know, Bryce taking that pitch and then taking um, the the ball, letting it come through the zone and then taking it the other way um, and really putting the Phillies on top to clinch and go to the World Series. Yeah, I think the one thing that really stuck out to me um, was Kyle Wright and his pregame uh press conference that he had before he threw in the the nls was it nlds nlcs um he just talked about how he really built his confidence because if you look at his 2021 numbers they're not great and then he came in 2022 um and he has just dominated people and it all started with the braves postseason run last year um he really found his confidence in his stuff and he talked about how he worked on the mental side of the game with some mental performance coaches which our guest today also a mental performance coach so we'll really get to dive into what that means for players um in the game of baseball um but the fact that he has just developed himself everybody had given up on him based on the numbers and the performances but he took time to get himself mentally right and yeah it's just an aspect of the game that just gets overlooked and the fact that he was able to take that and now has become a dominant pitcher. It's just such a cool story to see. Yeah, he did. He did really good um, in the playoffs. He also had a really good season. I mean, I think he mm-hmm. led both leagues in wins. Um, it came, kind of came out of nowhere because, like you were saying, that people did write him off. Um, I'll go back to my my guy Bryce Harper. Um, he he has done a lot of maturing in his time yes. here. I mean, I'll never forget. Even as a Phillies fan, even though I did work with the Nationals back in the day, um, he got hit, hit with a pitch from Cole Hamels was super young rookie didn't know what to do about it was like what's going on but he had the target on his back that he kind of created because when he was in the minors hit a home run blew a kiss everybody thought he was a punk he was on sports (laughs) illustrated he followed the lebron footsteps but after he got hit by a pitch that time he stole home but i really think and and i don't know if this will ever come out publicly but i think um, a lot of his maturing happened 
um, when he did hit free agency. And I think a lot of it came from his wife, Kayla. Um, we saw and heard a lot of things from him in the press conferences. But one of the things that stood out to me um, after his home run um, in the postgame uh, interview was he was talking about being grateful for the opportunity. And that always helps him to be in a mindset that he would call calming. So, mm-hmm. you know, when a moment like that, you know, you know what the score is, you know, there's a guy on, you know, that in, in one swing of the bat, you can change the game and likely the outcome of the game. Um, he said, instead of being anxious or being nervous or having all this energy all over the place of like, this could happen, I could strike out. Just being like, I have the opportunity here to get a hit. I have the opportunity yeah. to change a game. And if you saw the glimpse of him in the dugout saying like, shit, I just did that. Wow, I just did that. That's just yeah. the awareness and reality that like, yeah, you just changed the game because of the way you went into that at bat. And because you prepared for this moment, he took advantage of full fully really did take advantage of that moment physically and mentally. And it was just really cool to see as a fan, but also someone who enjoys that mental side. Yeah. And I, I the mental side, the, the fact that it's becoming so more prevalent in the game is just awesome to see because it's giving guys who might have struggled with the mental side a chance and an opportunity to really succeed at the next level. And the guest we had on today, um, an amazing human being, Andy Bass. Uh, he's a mental performance coordinator, I believe, with the Pittsburgh Pirates and just a brilliant and smart individual um, who's really focused on the mental side of the game, not just developing the players mentally on the field but developing the human beings outside of the game as well what was one of your favorite parts of that interview uh it's really hard to nail down (laughs) uh you know you guys will see that i this is the probably the interview for me that i geeked out the most um finding andy when i was doing my own research just made me realize that someone in baseball is doing the right things there are many teams that are doing it the right way and the pirates really understand the brain the mental side learning um, he talks about motor learning a lot. Um, I, I think hearing someone talk about identity mm-hmm. the way he does, the way that it's okay to go away from baseball, that it's okay to be more than just a baseball player, it's just so refreshing to hear. It really is. Um, I'll, I'll say if I had to pick one, I really love this line that he talks about varying the lifestyle. Yeah. You guys will hear him say that. I don't want to give away um, the answers to the questions. Um, but that stuck out to, to me because – there's so many things in baseball that we get entrenched in um, as fans, as coaches, as players, as people who work, you know, in the front office. And it's OK to switch things up every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we, we're seeing that there's a you know change of the season. Why can't there be a change of the person just because now it is the offseason? Yeah, everything that he said was so eye opening. And I agree with a lot of what you said as well. And I love that thing I loved most about him is that he used his own personal journey with the Yips to 100%. kind of develop his career and develop how he wanted to help others in the future. So they don't have to, didn't have to go through the same thing that he did. And I think it was just incredible. Um, so without further ado, we want to bring you right to that interview with Andy Bass. Welcome to Beyond Baseball. I am uh, Caleb Mezzi and I have Jared Perkins as always with me. We have a great guest today, Andy Bass. So I'll talk about Andy a little bit because this is where I can kind of geek out as a researcher and someone who really cares about life after baseball. Andy is probably the first guest that has uh, really dove headfirst into research um, in terms of looking at the release uh, for baseball players into from professional baseball. So I actually found Andy doing my own dissertation, my own doctoral research. 
saw his name on the list of you know researchers that he's worked with, and he'll probably talk more about that, and then realized that he worked with the Pirates and we had some mutual connections. So talking to Andy um, before this podcast, it was very interesting to know that somebody who is actually a practitioner in what he does with mental performance and mental conditioning, but he's also doing some research and preparing baseball players for life after baseball. Andy has uh, definitely years of experience playing baseball at Davidson before being selected, and he's going to start us off really talking about that journey. So Andy, welcome aboard. Thank you all both so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I will give my bio in a nutshell so we can get to the to the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, like you said, I went to Davidson College. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get drafted in 2011 by the Tampa Bay Rays. And this is a four-letter word, literally and figuratively in baseball, but I got the yips uh, my first outing in pro ball. I threw 15 balls in a row. Never really recovered that season. Had a few decent outings, but nothing spectacular. The Rays rightly released me at the end of that season. I kind of wish I'd gotten a spring training with them just to see if I could right the ship, but it wasn't to be. Really, I, at that point, I knew I wasn't going to make it to the big leagues. I saw the writing on the wall. I saw how good people were. The thing is, I just didn't want to let this mental block beat me. And so that offseason, 2011, going into 2012, obviously worked on my pitching style, but more just mentality. I knew about sports psychology. I started reading more books about it. I was fortunate that the White Sox picked me up as a free agent. I went to spring training with them. Could never really get my velocity up back to where it was. I was just back to like 88, 90, 91. They released me um, at the end of spring training. The thing that I did, though, is I remember the last outing I had that actually meant something. I got a save against the Cleveland Guardians affiliate, and I was happy to be out on the mound. I just had the nerves, but I wasn't afraid. I was afraid when I was with Tampa Bay, and so – I did what I set out to do. I was certainly sad that my baseball journey, at least as a player, was over, but I accomplished my goal. And the yips and what I went through was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, my, my mom was actually really instrumental in helping me find the program at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, in sports psych and motor behavior, enrolled to get my master's degree, liked research, liked teaching. Uh, at the time back then, all you heard was being a full-time mental performance consultant or sports psychologist just wasn't a thing. You had to go and be a professor, maybe do it part-time. I enjoyed academia. I was fortunate to be admitted to get my PhD at UT, uh, working under Dr. Jeffrey Fairbrother, who does a lot with motor learning. And the way that I describe it, my master's was about 70% sports psychology, 30% motor learning. And my PhD was about 70 motor learning, 30 sports psych. And so it was really fun. I had a really great experience of doing a lot of motor learning research. And then, Caleb, what you mentioned, the, uh, the research regarding athletic identity and athletic transition being involuntarily released from a professional sport. The Pirates hired me full time in 2018, which was fantastic. Never thought I'd have an opportunity to do that. I was a coordinator in the farm system the first two years. COVID hits in 2020. I go to our alternate site. 2021, I get a call from a big league manager saying, hey, we want you to come to spring training, the big league camp with us. We're probably not going to have a mental skills coach there this year just with COVID protocols still in place. About four days before the season starts in 2021, they bring me in and say, yeah, you need to pack your bag. You're going to Chicago. You're going to be with us all 162. And I've been uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates in the major league since 2021. And it looks like I'll be back in the big leagues 162 in 2023. Awesome. So you talk about athletic identity. You talked about the yips. You talked about your own transitions that you've gone through from college, the race to finding what you wanted to do. And it's, very clear that you've gave this answer before because it was well rehearsed and 
Um, I, I want you to kind of elaborate more on what the yips are, um, maybe to the, the general audience that doesn't know, what it might be for a pitcher versus, you know, what we've seen for a Chuck Knobloch, for example. Um, and then how how your frame of what sports psychology was before that and then what it was after that. Yeah, great question. The yips is kind of an esoteric term. I think it started in golf, maybe, with golfers not being able to hit a knockdown putt. Uh, from a pitcher, the yips are not being able to throw a strike. You have no idea where the ball is going. That could look like, for anybody that watches old movies, it could look like Nuke Lelouch from Bull Durham, where you're just throwing it over the backstop. Or it could look like what mine was, where I wasn't throwing it over the backstop. I wasn't drilling players in the head. I just could not find the strike zone. Uh, for catchers, it can be not being able to throw it back to the pitcher. Just that simple toss can get into their head. Uh, you mentioned Chuck Knobloch. It could be an infielder just not being able to throw it to first base. They're just spraying it into the stands first three rows. So it's this kind of sudden inability to perform what's basically been an automated task for a person their entire life. And the yips can't be necessarily correlated to an injury or to like a new technique. It's pretty much entirely psychological. And because it's entirely psychological, that's the only way to fix it. I think at least when I was going through this and how I've seen other people deal with it and the coaches or whoever's involved have the best intentions, but they go to mechanics, they go to breaking down video, they go to trying to solve the movement through movement. If it's psychological, then it can't be entirely physical. Uh, I think that was the big thing for me was I just saw people trying to help my mechanics and nobody wanted to talk about the elephant in the room, which was, hey, man, what's going through your head right now? Yeah. Uh, so I think that would be kind of my broad sense of, of the yips and what it is. And once again, I know that the yips is a term that people just like to say the Y word or the word. I do think it would help if we just started to call a spade a spade and call it the elephant in the room, because the more we try to deny something, you know, denial isn't just a river in Egypt. The further we try to push it away, I think the stronger it grows. So just to go on that, what are you doing now in your role with the Pirates that is really going to, to speak to two things? One is that mental piece, which is obviously the role that you're in. But I think one of the things that you're alluding to is understanding how a player learns, right? Yes. And I know I know from experience in you know talking to people at the Pirates that learning is a big part of what you do. I think um, your, I guess he would be your supervisor, Bernie Holiday, you know, his focus is actually learning and you have some experience in motor learning. So this is taking the obvious physical learning that we're talking about with mechanics and then the mental side of things. But how do you approach a player, no matter where they are, single A, double A or triple A or in the majors and, and, and really just start your role? I start my role by not even engaging in my role. Uh, when I was introduced to the major league club, um, that said, hey, this is going to be Andy's going to be up with us. And I even did this when I was in the minor leagues. Uh, I just really engage in small talk, organic conversations. And the, the cool thing is that the more the guy gets to know me, the player gets to know me. We'll be having a 10-minute conversation that starts off about his family, his interests, where he's from. And in the six or seven-minute mark, there might be something in there where he talks about something he went through in college or high school or last year in the minor leagues where he said, yeah, and I just started feeling this sense of anxiety that had never come up before. And then we'll talk about that for a minute and a half, and then we'll move on to something else. And so it's really neat. The player doesn't even recognize that we've basically done a mental session because it's just an organic process that just allows whatever the issues are or whatever the questions are to just kind of emerge from a, an almost dynamical process. If we're talking about motor learning and we look at dynamical systems, we're not trying to force something. We're kind of letting it emerge organically from the environment.
And I kind of like that and that approach too. And I think the one thing that we hear from a lot of players that we interview is that when you've touched on this as well, is that they lost their identity within the game. And so what their performance was on the field, they took home with them every night. So they're having a bad day if they had a bad performance or they were having a good day um, if they had a good performance. What are some of the tools or like tips and tricks that you use to, to kind of help these players kind of find themselves outside of the game? Um, on whether it's on the onset or they're on the approaching the end of their career, I just was curious. Like, is there c- certain tips and tricks that you use, kind of, to help them manage that? Yeah, I think generally overall, because you know the beauty of our game is that it's every day and that it's like twelve hours a day every day. Mm-hmm. But the con to that is that people can lose themselves in that monotony. And so, if I do f- see that a player is kind of losing who they are, ask them, what do you like to do that's not baseball related? Do you have anything that you go to outside of the field? It can be video games. It can be writing. It can be whatever it is. But there has to be something, some other type of outlet that allows for a flush and something to grab that identity from. And I think it's really easy for players to lose their identity in a sport that's all-encompassing. It's mm-hmm. Baseball is kind of like an addiction. It's every day. You think about it constantly. Uh, in the off season, you want to get back to it, but then the last month of the season, you just can't wait for the off season to come around. So, it it very much kind of works a little bit like an addiction, and because of that, we need to accept that piece and find something else where we can channel energy into whatever that may be, whatever hobby that might be. Yeah, even more to that is like in baseball, there's a lot of downtime, and I'm not saying this because it's you know it's a negative in sport, but a lot of people look at that, especially consumers, but it makes you think more. Right. It makes you sit there and marinate, especially if you're not doing well. You're such a ruminate in those thoughts. Um, One of the things I want to bring up is is your research. I think at least from what I've pulled, I know there's probably some other research that maybe isn't public yet, but it has been published um, is teach me and I may remember involve me and I learn. I think when we talk about learning and we talk about athletic identity, a whole lot of what we, you know, hear and say or hear from athletes and hear them say is all I know is baseball. Yeah. Right. And really what it, what happens is because that's all they've ever played or that's all they've ever done at this high level. But there's so many skills that they've learned in baseball that they can then learn something else. How do you get to that point where you can say, all right, well, what else do you do? You have a healthy outlet that we're talking about here, but how can we, you know, involve you in something else so that you know that you're greater than baseball. You're not just a baseball player. That's not all, you know, well, the, the old adage, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but the <laughs> light bulb has to want to change. Yeah. Uh, the first has to be the notion that the, the idea and the acceptance piece that this has become a problem, baseball, and I am more than that, and I want to be more than that. Um, so there has to be conversations about recognition. And I know, Caleb, you've read some of my research uh, with the identity piece and the transition when we look at motivation and that's motivation to either do anything or be anything. When we look at self-determination theory, those the three pillars of motivation, which are autonomy. Do I have choice? Which let's be honest, a lot of baseball players feel like they have no choice. So that's gone. Uh, competency. I feel good at what I'm doing. Well, if I'm in a month slump, then I don't feel like I'm good at anything and relatedness connecting to others around us. Well, if I have no sense of choice, and I feel like I'm just not as a good human being, I'm probably isolating myself. So I'm not even connecting with those around me. And so there has to be this sense of, I am more than a baseball player and it's helping them see what else they can do. They are doing that's beyond baseball. And that can be pouring into somebody else. Hey, when you come to the park tomorrow, 
ask somebody else how they're doing. See if you can help them. That's a really good way to kind of work ourselves out of our own mind. And now I've completed relatedness. I'm connecting with another player. I'm player A that's struggling with my identity. I've connected with them. Wow, I feel like a good teammate. So now my competency level is up and it was my choice to do this. Yeah, maybe Andy suggested the idea, but I chose who to go to and I chose how to help them. So I think that's one little microcosm of how we can bolster those three psychological needs to help the player off the field find who they are. Yeah, and I, and I love that because it kind of goes back to gratitude too, in a sense, like practicing gratitude and remembering the things that you're grateful for around you and developing those relationships with people. Um, one thing I want to touch on too is kind of perspective. Are there things you do to kind of help uh, shape players' perspective? One thing that popped out to me uh, was Joe Musgrove before game three. He kind of talked about shifting his perspective and that's kind of how he got ready for game three. Um, and so what's the role that perspective plays for players and what are some tips and kind of tools that they can use in order to kind of shift their perspective um, going into a game? Yeah. So it would first would be recognizing what perspective do I have now and what perspective mm -hmm. do I want um, and why do I want to shift that perspective? Uh, an exercise that I think can help people is, is, is a, I say a simple, but it's a basic mindfulness technique. It's just sit and notice where your thoughts are and what, where is my mind going right now? Is my mind going to the negativity that I may feel if I don't do well at this game? Is my mind going to the excitement of the game? Is my mind going to my family? Is my mind going somewhere completely else? And I think just that sense of sitting in the moment and noticing where our mind goes is a really good way to notice where our perspective is. And if that perspective isn't where we want it to be, we can accept that and that's okay. But now we can start. So that's more of the mindfulness, acceptance, and commitment model of therapy. And then I know we're getting kind of theoretical here, but now we can engage more in a cognitive behavioral therapy perspective, which is about reframing our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I think we can start with the non-judgmental base of where is my perspective? Okay, I don't really like where my mind is right now. I don't really like the perspective I'm taking on myself in the game. Okay, that's fine. I can accept that. Now, what do I need to do daily to start to try to reframe those thoughts? Yeah, and I love that. It kind of goes back to like the positive self-talk um, and trying to get yourself into that that mindset. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, a affirmations and gratitude really go a lot further than we think. We really mm -hmm. need to kind of talk about shifting perspective. We need to start talking to ourselves rather than listening to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of the things I wanted to bring up, and this is kind of just you know, trending in that direction, when you talk about acceptance is this revolving door. That's been the research that I found that kind of opened my eyes to what you're doing, um, to the need. And it really helped me um, just pull some findings. Because as we've talked about, Andy, there's not much research out there in baseball, in career transition, maybe other sports, maybe military, but not for baseball. So one of the things I wanted to bring up is talk to us about your role and how that helps players to get ready for life after baseball, because it's inevitable that's going to happen. We've talked about that here all the time, accepted self-determination theory. Those things may come up, but you're hearing this and you're hearing it and seeing it from players every day. Uh, I think what every player should do is it's okay to not focus on baseball. If there's stuff in the off season, if you want to study for the GRE, if you want to study for law school, if you want to do an apprenticeship, and something that came up in our research was the thing that really helped facilitate a solid transition from baseball was having a plan B. Yeah. And I will say that to coaches and players and I get it kind of a hesitancy. Whoa, no, no, no. You need to be all in on baseball. And I, I don't believe I, I really push back on that. I, it wasn't in the research, but this idea of cognitive entrenchment, 
where we're so focused on one aspect of life that we're just stuck in this trench and we can't see anything else. Well, if we want to be a healthy individual and if we want to be good at baseball, we need to have stuff outside that brings us out of that trench. And I think talking to players about what they like to do, what was their major, and to get them to kind of accept that it's okay to not think about baseball. It's okay to think about what life after baseball may be because that's going to help you flush it. It's going to help you flush what happened in the game. And maybe it'll be even better tomorrow because you have that backup plan. I think just having the conversation and not forcing it on them, but it's okay to have a backup plan. And what does it mean to dive into that backup plan? I think is, is very helpful for facilitating that transition. And I think it helps people play better because they got a safety net below them now. Yeah. I think that's huge. Just like, uh, cause I've interviewed a couple of players and they're Troy Johnson from the Marlins. He says him and his wife, they do like a marketing, um, they got a business. So he does a lot of marketing in the off season and, um, helps his wife, uh, kind of sell the product that they're working on. And like you said, it's having that safety net and having something that you can go back to. That's huge. Cause like if, if you're like wrapped up in your performances and you have a bad performance, you're like, well, I have something that on the outset that I can look forward to um, or at the end of the day, I can go do X, Y, and Z because I enjoy it, even though I had a bad game. So I think it, that's huge to touch on there. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I, I want to add, one of the things I want to add to this, I mean, think about where we are right now in the calendar, right? Mm -hmm. The first world series game is tonight, but a lot of players are not playing. So what are they doing? Yes. They're eating, you know, the right things. They're working out. They're going through the process that either the team has laid out to them or they've laid out for themselves or the trainer has laid out for them. But, like, you just played a full season, right? Like, what should you be doing for the offseason? That was one of the things I was going to say is, do you think that there's anything that you could, you know, give advice to these players of, like, what they could be doing right now, given your role and your experience in, in working with players? If you have the means, travel. Mm. or do a staycation I, unless you're just really into the postseason which i know we all love baseball but see if you cannot watch every single postseason game <laughs> um get away from baseball get away from sport continue to take care of yourself but you don't have to be doing all the workouts that you did take a month to do nothing yeah just our minds need, you know, variability. I know we've mentioned motor learning a couple yeah. times, but we know that we learn best through variation, differential learning rather than repetition. And our minds work the same way. So get away from it. Vary the lifestyle. Do something vastly different from baseball. Yeah, we talked to Tyson Ross in the first episode, and he mentioned that he was getting so wrapped up in his performances that he had to find another outlet when he was on the road and he wasn't pitching. And he said he'd go to museums every day and he developed a passion for museums and he loved going to see the different arts. So when they traveled from town to town, he took advantage of being in a different city and seeing their local museum. That's a really cool story. Yeah, very, variety is the spice of life. Yeah, yeah. When you have that opportunity to kind of try different things too, you might have you can use that off season to try something new and if you don't try something you're not going to know whether you love it or not and so i think that's a, like an opportunity for a lot of athletes when they hit their off season it's like you have the opportunity to spend three months maybe trying something new finding a new hobby finding something that you could absolutely love and you just had no idea your entire life couldn't agree more and the neat thing with learning new skills be they motoric or cognitive is that a lot of the research is suggesting that our brains don't stop developing at 25 if we do the same thing they do, but if we mm -hmm. have, we're constantly challenging ourselves to learn a different skill or learn something new, we're engaged, we're creating electrical signals in our brains that are associated with neuroplasticity. We wouldn't want that. Yeah. 
and you think about it, a lot of these kids are coming up at 18 years old, 17 years old, and they're still trying to figure out how to be an adult, let alone try to play baseball. Right. I love it. I'm geeking out because neuroplasticity, <laughs> the yet sensibility, myelin, all that kind of stuff is like my favorite stuff. And I think that if we can get people to continue learning, I love the the phrase vary the lifestyle because it, it adds to your game. Like it's yes. adding skills. It's adding a different perspective as Jared talked about early. And then what that does is it, it brings you back to the, the next season spring training with this new, you know, sensation of like, this is how I can dominate. This is how I can take the skills I already have and launch myself into the, the next level that I want to become a better baseball player and person. Absolutely. There's just no, there's no downside to variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I, Jared, you, you don't like. Jared, you usually thing. end with your last question, but we usually ask this to active or former players. I think for Andy's perspective of his research and everything he did, he could pretty much lend, you know, a more academic or researcher answer. So if you want to ask it, I think this would be a great time to do so. Yeah, I guess the one question we always ask uh, the athletes as they we hit to the um, to the last question is what would be the one single piece of advice that you have in order to help uh, future athletes find their identity outside of the game and find some of their passions away from uh, baseball? It's okay to not care about baseball that much at times. It's okay to not care, and it's okay to hate it. Um, and it's okay to feel like you're lost. I would say just understanding that it's natural to feel that way. And if somebody does want to work on finding themselves, it's hard, it's difficult, and challenging ourselves is uncomfortable. So if we're all into the mental game, we need to challenge ourselves to be uncomfortable to want to take a hard look at ourselves and what is going on with my life with baseball right now that I don't like and what do I need to do to change it? And sometimes that also involves bringing somebody else in. And I'm not saying that has to be a professional therapist or a mental skills coach, but we work better when we're able to talk through it. So Mm -hmm. if somebody is feeling lost, whether in high school, college, pro ball, talk to somebody, let somebody in. Isolating is the worst thing we can do. I love that. And I think that kind of hits on one thing that we've always talked about, too. It's developing those relationships. You get yourself away from being in isolation. I mean, one thing that's going to stick with you post-career, the relationships that you build while you're there. Yeah. You, how many times do we hear, not just in sport, but everywhere, it's all about connections. So mm-hmm. do it for yourself, but do it for your future self. Yeah. Well, Andy, this has been great. Caleb, I'll turn it over to you if you have one more question and then if you want to wrap it up. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's it's refreshing to hear from someone who, you know, played collegiately, got drafted, kind of went through that stuff. And when I say that stuff, I mean the yips, the, the, <laughs> the mental toll that it takes on you. And that was somebody who's giving it back and seeing it from a whole different light, but seeing that there's a need and that you're able to address it. But you're also addressing it in the practical sense and the research. I keep going back to that because I'm just in awe that you're able to do all those all those things. But then also, you know you say stuff, you give advice, and then it's backed up in the research. That's that's something that we, we need more of in, in sport and baseball. So thank you very much. Thanks for taking us beyond baseball. Thank you all very much. This was an absolute honor and a privilege. So I really appreciate the time.
Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.